My name is Kevin Wax. I am the son of Nevin Wax. I am the father of Trevin Wax. I am the grandfather of Benjamin Evan Wax, who is the son of Weston Wax, another one of my sons. Fortunately for all of you, not all of the names in our bloodline rhyme. That's just a partial recording of a four generation of waxes. I'm actually of the seventh generation of waxes that made it to America. By number count, I am number 480. The first wax to make it to America was named Peter Wax, and he spelled his name W-A-C-H-S. He arrived here on a ship in 1753. The name of the ship was the Louisa. Peter Wax had a son named Philip Wax. Philip Wax had a son named John Wax. John Wax had a son named John Brett's Wax. John Brett's Wax had a son named Clifford Wax. Clifford Wax had a son named Nevin Wax, who is my father. And Nevin Wax had a son named Kevin Wax, and that's me. Well, as you can tell, I've done a bit of research uh, on my family tree. Ancestry.com and other family publications have been extremely uh, interesting and very helpful, at least interesting and helpful uh, to me. Uh, I hope your eyes didn't glaze over too much when I uh, went into the, this guy was the son of this guy was the son of, I mean, because that's the way genealogies are. They're really only interesting to the people who are in them, unless those genealogies have a direct impact on our lives. And the genealogy, the bloodline that we're going to look at today really does have an impact on all all our lives. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would bless the reading and the preaching of your word today. Give me the words to say, and I pray, Lord, that you would give all those who listen ears to hear so that they might understand of your great love for all of us and what you did to repair and restore and redeem the relationship between yourself and us. And we pray these things in the name of the great Redeemer himself, Jesus Christ. Amen. So on Christmas Eve, I was doing a bit of research uh, on um, Ancestry.com, and I, we have some family publications about the waxes. And, and I, found out this, I found out that on 171 years ago, on Christmas, as of Christmas, 171 years ago, to the day, to Christmas Day itself, my great-grandfather, John Bretz, was born. He was born on Christmas Day, 1849. I did not know that. did not know that. I also found that the very first wax to make an appearance in Murfreesboro was named Samuel Wax. He showed up in 1862. He was part of some group known as the 38th Infantry Regiment uh, from Illinois, and he received a very warm welcome on his very first trip here to the South. As a matter of fact, he got shot for his trouble. I also, and this was fascinating to me, I had no idea, I also found another distant cousin by the name of Victor Wax, who served as a missionary in Haiju, Korea, for at least seven years, over 100 years ago. Two of his three children were born there in Korea. So here's a shout-out to our son, Justin Wax, and his family. Justin is a chaplain in the U.S. Army, 
also serving in the Korea, in Korea some hundred years after Victor Wax was there. Okay, maybe, like I said, the genealogy stuff is kind of boring. Um, I wonder if people shared genealogies with each other before they had home movies. Uh, when I was growing up, if someone invited you to come watch home movies, uh, there, you tried not to react negatively, but you kind of knew that you were in for maybe a long and boring evening. Good storytellers always worry about how they're going to introduce their stories, and here's a hint to all of our storytellers out there. If you're going to start off with a genealogy, it had better be good. But you know, that's exactly what Matthew did when he introduced the gospel story of how Jesus was born. I'm about to read Matthew's introduction to Jesus and his birth, and I'm going to read a long list of names. And I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 1, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. So if you want to follow along, turn to Matthew chapter 1. And as I read a lot of names here, I want you to listen carefully. Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear names that are familiar? Do you hear names that are not quite so familiar? Do you hear names that you know from history? Do you hear only men's names? Or do you hear the names of women as well? All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. An account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. From Abraham to David. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Aram. Aram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered King David. From David to the Babylonian exile. <clears throat> David fathered Solomon by Uriah's wife. Solomon fathered Rehoboam. Rehoboam fathered Abijah. Abijah fathered Asa. Asa fathered Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat fathered Joram. Joram fathered Uzziah. Uzziah fathered Jotham. Jotham fathered Ahaz. Ahaz fathered Hezekiah. Hezekiah fathered Manasseh. Manasseh fathered Amon. Amon fathered Josiah. And Josiah fathered, fathered Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah fathered Shealtiel. Shealtiel fathered Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel fathered Abiud. Abiad fathered Eliakim. Eliakim fathered Azor. Azor fathered Zadok. Zadok fathered Achim. Achim fathered Eliud. Eliud fathered Eliezer. Eliezer fathered Mathan. Mathan fathered Jacob. And Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David until the exile to Babylon... 14 generations. And from the exile to Babylon until the Messiah, 14 generations. This is the word of the Lord. I just love how each of the four Gospels start. 
the first and shortest gospel, Mark, Peter's story, that story starts with action. The favorite word in Mark is immediately. Mark just starts, boom. John the Baptist is on the scene telling everybody that the Lamb of God is coming, and soon he's there. For you see, in Mark, Jesus, the suffering servant, is a man of action. The Gospel of Luke, Mary's story, starts with many intimate and personal details. Normally when we read the Christmas story, we don't read the genealogies like I just did. We read Luke chapter 2. As a matter of fact, if you watch any of the Charlie Brown Christmas specials on TV, you can almost hear Linus telling the story of Jesus' birth, and he's reading right from Luke chapter 2. Actually, he has it memorized. For in Luke, we see that Jesus is the Son of Man. The Gospel of John starts in the beginning, way back in the beginning. John begins even before creation. John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. John wants us to understand that Jesus is the Son of God. But Matthew starts with the genealogy. We just read it together. And like I tell you now, for a storyteller, that's a high-risk start. But Matthew wrote his gospel to a Jewish audience. Why did he start his gospel with the genealogy? Because Matthew wanted his readers, and he wants you to know, that Jesus is the King of the Jews. And Jesus has the bloodline of David to prove it. Matthew told them through his genealogy that Jesus was the son of Abraham. He actually was Jewish, but he's also a son of David. In Matthew, Jesus is the son of David. The, the whole bloodline that I just read focuses on David. From Abraham to David is 14 generations, and then from David to the Babylonian exile is 14 generations. And then from the Babylonian exile until the son of David is born, Jesus Christ himself, that's 14 generations. Even the number 14 is significant. 14 is David's number. In Hebrew, each consonant of a person's name has a numerical value. In David, the D is worth four, the V or the W is worth six, and then the D again is worth four. So D, V, D, four plus six plus four equals 14. So every time Matthew says 14 generations from Abraham to David and from David to the Babylonian exile and from the Babylonian exile until the son of David himself, Jesus Christ appears. Every time he says 14 generations, he's saying David, David, David. 14 is David's number and it is proof positive that Matthew wanted you to connect Jesus Christ to David. Matthew, a tax collector with an incredible eye for detail, he wants his Jewish audience, and he wants us to know as well, that Jesus is the son of David just as much as 4 plus 6 plus 4 equals 14. And 14 plus 14 plus 14 equals 42. The number of generations from Abraham to Jesus all telling us about David and the son of David who was born in the fullness of time to save his people from their sins. So the first point I want to make sure that we all see today is that Jesus is the king of the Jews, and he has the bloodline of David 
to prove it. Point number two, Jesus is the king of the Gentiles, and Jesus has the bloodline and the genealogy to prove it. When I was reading the genealogy, did you notice anything unusual about it? Well, I'll tell you one thing that was really unusual. Matthew actually included ladies in the genealogy, and that's highly unusual because in the time, that time when Matthew was writing this, and to his Jewish audience, normally women were not included in genealogies. They were just skipped over. But Matthew included five ladies in the bloodline of Jesus. Here they are. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, the wife of Uriah, and Mary. Typically, genealogies didn't mention women at all. But Matthew included five women in his bloodline of Jesus, in his genealogy. And each of these five women carried a stigma, a stain on their reputations. And the inclusion of three of these five women proves that Jesus is also the king of the Gentiles. Tamar, the first lady mentioned in the bloodline. Tamar was a Canaanite. She was not a child of Abraham. She was not a Jew. The Canaanites were one of the people groups that God had marked for special punishment and judgment. And I won't go into Tamar's story with Judah. Let's just say that she had a troubled reputation. Even so, in the story of Tamar, she was more honorable than Judah, the son of Jacob, the sinful man in the line of our Lord Jesus Christ, also in the line of David. Tamar had a complicated and messy life, but the Lord smiled on her, an outsider, and she is in the bloodline of King David. She is in the bloodline of King Jesus. Another lady in the bloodline is Rahab. Rahab also lived in the land of Canaan. She too was not a Jew. Rahab lived in Jericho. Her city was marked by God for special punishment. Now I won't go into Rahab's story, much less her occupation, but let's just say that Rahab too had a difficult reputation to overcome. Even so, Rahab believed in the God of Jacob, and the Lord counted it unto her as righteousness. Eventually, Rahab married Salmon, a man in the line of our Lord, and Rahab is even included in Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Faith chapter. Amazing. Another lady in the bloodline is Ruth, who lived in the land of Moab. The people of Moab were marked as special enemies of God. Ruth's people were marked by God for special punishment. And I won't go into all the details of Ruth's story. Let's just say that the Lord smiled on her, even though she too was an outsider. And he provided a kinsman redeemer for her by the name of Boaz. Ruth married Boaz. Together they had a child named Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, King David. Ruth was David's great-grandmother. These three women, Tamar, Rehab, Ruth, all three of these women were outsiders. None of these ladies were born into the family of Abraham, the nation of Israel. But these Gentile women were integral parts of the lineage of both King David and King Jesus. So King Jesus is the king of the Jews. He is the son of David. But King Jesus is also the king of the Gentiles, 
He is the great-great-grandson of women like Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. Point three, Jesus is the king of the high and mighty, and he's king of the lowliest of the low. You may have remembered that I mentioned that there were five ladies in the bloodline. We've talked about three of them. Let's look at the other two. There's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Bathsheba is not mentioned by name, but she's there. She's definitely in there. For you see, Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Who was Uriah the Hittite? Uriah the Hittite was a brave and faithful soldier in the service of King David. Uriah also was a neighbor of King David. His house was very close to David's. He was listed as one of the mighty men of David. King David took Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, and sinned with her. And then David tried to cover his sin, and he had Uriah murdered in battle. Eventually, Bathsheba became the most powerful woman in the world. Bathsheba became the queen mother of Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, and at the time, the most powerful man on the face of the earth. Bathsheba is in the line of our Lord and Savior. She symbolizes the high and mighty, the powerful, as opposed to Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus. She symbolizes the low and weak, the powerless. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the fifth woman listed in the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David. Did you notice when I was hitting the highlights of my own family history that I, I didn't mention anything about the women in my bloodlines? It's not because I didn't want to include them. It's not because I wanted to leave them out. I'm sure that they lived interesting lives as, as well, but of the hundreds of entries in the seven generations of waxes here in America, almost nothing was written about the women in my bloodline. Also, did you notice that when I was hitting the highlights of the seven generations of my family here in America, uh, I didn't really tell you anything uh, about the horse thieves and, and traitors and murderers and adulterers. They, they didn't even get a dishonorable mention. Matthew's genealogy is different. He included five stained women, but the men didn't get off the hook either. He included adulterers and murderers. Matthew did not sugarcoat the bloodline of Jesus because Jesus' family was not perfect. And neither is mine. Neither is yours. Our family trees contain messy, embarrassing, sinful people because our family trees include us. I want you to think about Mary and the loss of reputation that she suffered. Mary, a virgin Jewish girl, Mary suddenly visited by Gabriel, the angel, and told that she will carry in her body the very Son of God. Mary, a young, engaged Jewish girl who has to explain the unexplainable to noble Joseph, her fiancé. Mary, a little village girl who will have to endure the shame and scorn of her neighbors because it becomes it soon becomes quite evident that she is carrying a child before she's supposed to be carrying a child by the world's timeline. Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, she symbolizes the low and weak, the powerless. Jesus, son of David, is king of the Jews. Jesus, great-great-grandson of Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, 
Bathsheba. He's the king of the Gentiles as well. And Jesus, king of the high and mighty, like powerful Bathsheba, king of the low and weak, the powerless like Mary. From the high and mighty to the weak and lowly. You see, it is in Father Abraham and King David and Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and the wife of Uriah the Hittite and Mary that we find all these most unlikely characters of Christmas. The author of salvation has written the story of love and acceptance to all who accept him in faith. We are outsiders, enemies of God, until Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven. We are all sinners in need of grace and salvation. We all live lives of great difficulty and sorrow. Isn't it amazing that God chose to include all these sinful men and women in the bloodline of Jesus? Isn't it amazing that God chose to tell us all about these sinful men and women? Through the grace of God, we all can become characters of Christmas. Let's all worship Jesus Christ, for he is the king of the Jews. He is the king of the Gentiles. He is the king of the high and mighty. He is the king of the low and powerless. Jesus Christ, king of kings, Lord of lords, worship him today. Father, we thank you that Matthew included this genealogy. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you led him to not sugarcoat the family tree of David, the family tree, the bloodline of Jesus Christ. But he put it all in there for all of us to see that just like our messed up families, Jesus Christ came for all of us, to redeem all of us. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you, Jesus, for coming. And I pray, Lord, as we move out of this Christmas season and into the new year, that you will bless us and keep us, protect us, and that we will be faithful to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. Amen.